it's just not fun to watch either. That's the only thing that really matters, really? Like, right? I mean, if we're not, if the, the fans aren't into it, if we're not having those Chopo 2014 moments and bringing in huge audiences because the spectacle is that great, then you're never gonna make the sport great. Hello and welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella and you may have noticed that we missed a week last week. Apologies for that. Um, there were two reasons, one of which I actually explained in our last episode that we might miss the podcast for this reason, and that is that pretty much everyone in STAB was en route to Lakey Peak for Van Stab High presented by Monster Energy. We're now into the event itself. I'm not going to tell you about it because we're going to be dropping the episodes coming in late October. That's October 24th on Stab Premium and October 27th on YouTube for free. And the other reason is one that's really, really saddening, and that was that on the day that actually we were going to record the podcast a little bit late, uh, we found out that Kalani David had passed away while surfing in Costa Rica. And so it was, one, we were just really saddened by that news, and it felt weird to talk about anything else in the moment. And two, it sort of just ate up our editorial bandwidth as we were um, sort of readying some things to, to talk about that. But anyways, we are back this week. Buck and I are going to come in to chat about everything that happened in surfing this week and a little bit of last because we did miss a few things that were pretty big. That's going to include everything from the WSL's new schedule, which is <laughs> contentious to say the least. The last episode of the Electric Acid Surfboard Test with Mick Fanning. We just revealed a winner and no, we're not going to spoil it in this episode. Don't worry, but we are going to talk about some of the finalists. Um, we talk about the ISA World Games, the best wave pool in the world, quote-unquote, just leaked from Brazil, and a bunch of other things. So without further ado, bring in Mr. Buckley himself. And yes, we are going to be sitting aside from one another, finally. And we are here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still laughing. I just watched, um, like, I think that constitutes as a whole wave from Lakey Peak falling out of your nose just as we were setting up to do this podcast. And I know exactly what wave it is. <laughs> like, it's not, oh, I surfed for a bit today, there's water up my nose. Like, I was scrambling, I knew I had no chance, there's solid waves today, and I just got suplexed. Um, that was about two hours ago, and I just relieved myself from it. It was in my nose, I didn't even realize until now we're here. Uh, and... Does my, is, is my voice sounding better because of it? Like, maybe I'd be too nasally before? <laughs> yeah, I think you, you really cleared up. Yeah, no, it's good. Today was a big day. Today was huge. We just ran our qualifying round for Van Stab High, presented by Monster Energy, at Lakey Peak. And it's one of the, it's the biggest waves I've ever seen at Lakey Peak in person, for sure. Uh, Nate Fletcher was calling the sets six to eight foot, which means basically there are 15 plus foot faces. The wonderful thing about Nate is that he specifies too. He's like, oh, I like doing, you say both, so like nobody gets confused. So he'll be like, it was like six to eight foot, 15 foot faces. So he like doubles down on the measurements, so there's no real room for kind of error, um, which is great. And I agree with his measurements today. I'd say, I'd go eight on the one that got me. Um, Suplex City, <laughs> which was nice. And we went out right after the qualifying round ended. We were judging watching people do massive errors all day and it definitely gave me a new perspective once we got out there yeah and this was after watching six heats of guys send it like for an hour straight basically section after section they were going right for the most part you happened to go on the left which is a little bit bigger and heavier oh. i would say <laughs> 
Well, Eric Geiselman went left too. He was just in there. He won his heat. I think he already knew he had a good one. He just kept on getting tempted into these lefts. But yeah, it was a bit more of a lock-in over there. Um, low tide, just a good time. Bad decisions, good time. There's a set right now, massive. So we've got a few more days of competition ahead of us. We're gonna have eliminations, and we're gonna have, of course, some winners, both on the men's side and the ladybird side, and a Monster Air winner. So uh, yeah, Buck and I are judging along with Nate Fletcher, Holly Wan, and Oni Anwar. And the first episode is going to be turned around really quickly. We're going to be going live on October 24th on Stab Premium and October 27th on the free YouTube side. Yes, we are. I don't want to, you know, be a hyperbole guy here, but some of the most entertaining surfing I think I've ever seen today. A hundred percent. I gotta be honest. Yeah, like absolutely huge, like double overhead waves and guys trying to find the ugliest section that they can every single time with a howling air wind. So the board's just pretty much stuck to their feet. Trying and succeeding. And the way we have it set up is that past winners were seated right into round one. Like we were calling this the qualifying round. So they're already in round one. Don't want to give too much away about the format, but we mixed some things up this year and I think it'll make the, the end result more entertaining. And it seems like the surfers are already having a lot more fun with it. So it's Wild, just based off today, incredible. I've never seen that many people hit that many mega ramps, so going to be a good time. Yeah, but I will say, I think uh, the most entertaining point of the trip for me thus far was actually not in the water, but in the food line last night. Oh, yeah. When um, one of our competitors, Erwin Bliss, who you may have seen in an edit that we published earlier this year, or I think we did one a couple of years ago, he's from Guadalupe, which is a French territory in the Caribbean, he spends a lot of time in Europe, etc. Um, he's sort of like an off kilter sort of surfer like sort of does his own thing doesn't he's, really he's not on the qs <laughs> he's far from the qs he was in our qualifying round today though that's as close as he's gonna get that's, that's the only q in his life <laughs> maybe he's in a q and i don't know actually i can't speak for him <laughs> anyway uh last night we are in line for dinner at um fatma's restaurant which is sort of like the base camp for everything we're doing here at lakey peak and erwin who you know clearly he, he has other interests in life he, he's probably not just focused on surfing like we are. He's probably into the arts and things like that. But I don't think he knows a lot about Stab's hierarchical structure. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm in the food line and like two people behind me is Sam McIntosh. And then Erwin comes in behind him and I'm just sort of like getting ready to grab my food, sort of like just, you know, not even eavesdropping, just like happen to be there and hearing words coming out of people's mouths, obviously. And so Sam goes up and he says, hi, I'm Sam, when Erwin approaches him. And he says, hi, I'm Erwin, etc." And then Erwin goes, yeah, you're one of the filmers, right? Oh my god. <laughs> and Sam is like so taken aback, oh. but also like doesn't want to be that guy that is like, no, I'm the fucking owner, you dickhead, you're welcome for the invite. Wow. <laughs> so instead, Sam's like, uh, no, yeah, no, I'm, j I'm just one of the guys up on the tower. <laughs> And the best part is, Sam doesn't even know that I heard this interaction. I haven't brought it up to him. So if he listens to this podcast, it's going to be the first time that he has any idea that anybody else in the world knew that that happened. Oh, I'm sure he'd be mortified about. So good that you're the only person like that even could laugh at. Like They were kind of navigating this awkward conversation. You're the only one until you shared it with all the listeners. So <laughs> you guys, thank Mikey. Because, wow, <laughs> just imagine that. <laughs> And also hit Sam up if you need any filming. He'll uh, he'll come down meet you on the beach. All right, let's get into the news. All right, our top story this week is a sad one. Kalani David, Hawaiian surf and skate prodigy, dies at age 24. Wow. So 
the timing on this is really interesting. We are at Stab High now, as we just talked about, and Kalani was a former Stab High finalist. And so obviously, you know, we know him, so many of the guys in this event know him. It was just that I it's one of those days where it's hard to really describe the feeling. Like everybody just felt off. Like it just there's a sadness in the air. You know, you're in this beautiful place. And you know you're with your friends, and it's really exciting. But like, I, I you could just tell like there's this heaviness in the air that that day. And even like it, even if people didn't talk about Kalani specifically, there's just like this kind of I noticed like weird morbid kind of hearings and conversation. But yeah, it just even when the conversations weren't about Kalani, there's just this this heaviness in the air and this heaviness, and, and the conversations felt kind of dark but yeah it was a heavy day but I think we were able to honor him um, I think the vibe changed a lot we had a ceremony for him we did a paddle out and that started with just some words on dry land from Nathan Fletcher Eric Geiselman and Noah Beshin all three of them were knew Kalani well and they spoke so well like uh, what a hard thing to do you know one you're public speaking two you just lost a really good friend like it's I was really impressed with how those how those guys handled it, but heavy day. Our hearts are are really with Kalani and his family. So sad news. Yeah, it's um it's devastating. Really, he was so talented, and for those of you who don't know, his his life was really really difficult for a number of reasons. Like obviously, he was dealing with these health issues for the past like six seven years, um, and before that, he had a really tough upbringing as well. Which I was actually there to you know see some of it. We would actually stay together sometimes when we were doing like NSSA nationals, even though he was a little bit younger than me and, and I got to see sort of like his whole dynamic firsthand. So we're going to be actually working on a longer form piece about Kalani's life that I actually started writing again, like six or seven years ago. I did a bunch of interviews with him and his parents and sort of got into the weeds of everything that was going on there. And now I need to do some more research with people that were more contemporary figures in his life. Um, so that's in the works. I don't know when it will come out because I want to make sure that we do it justice and go through all the you know the right channels and talk to the right people. But that is something that's going to be coming. Um, but before that, and this is another really sort of weird thing that happened around the, the whole uh, incident, is I got a text um, at like 2 a.m. Indo time when we were over here from Skylar Allen, who is uh, one of... Kalani's friends and also one of his like teammates at Dark Seas, which is the brand that Kalani wrote for. And Skylar does some editing for Dark Seas, so he literally sent me over this new edit that was Kalani's like North Shore Winter 2021-2022 edit that he wanted me to look at to see if it would be something that Stab would want to post. And again, he texted me at 2am because I'm in Indo, he's in Hawaii, I would imagine, or California or whatever. And then uh, three hours later at like 5am, he texted me and said, oh my God, Kalani just died. And so I woke up to both of these and I was just so confused. I, like, I, you know, it's early and I, somebody, like Kalani died? Like, what is that? How does that, what? And um, yeah, so it just was completely random. But um, yeah, I basically woke up to this new edit of Kalani and then to the news that he died. And then I went and watched the edit and it was like bone chilling. Like it was mm. so poignant. Like the whole intro basically is about his life and his mindset and the struggles that he's been through. 
and for that to just like randomly become a thing just before he died I don't know it's it's really like it's hard for me to even talk about now and um yeah but we're going to be releasing that soon so keep your eyes peeled and obviously that'll be free for everybody to watch and um I think you'll definitely feel something around it you know and not just because of the surfing that's right and like Mikey said he he had been battling some serious health issues he goes into it in the start of the edit and it is what took his life at the end um he had a seizure while surfing in Costa Rica so that's how it ended but when Noah was speaking and I think Noah was Noah Beshin was in this kind of unique situation because he was he's younger than Kalani so he kind of grew up like idolizing him to an extent but also got to spend a ton of time with him and so he shared some words at the ceremony we had and I was just blown away by how well he spoke and the details that he shared so we record some audio there we're going to share it with you now but um it's a sad one R.I.P. Kalani rest in peace yeah um so I, I grew up with Kalani and Baron. And uh, yeah, we grew up surfing and skating together and I always looked up to Kalani. He was like, when we were like eight years old, he's probably like the craziest skater surfer. He still is to, to this day, but yeah, he was always fun to hang out with. You know, he was an amazing surfer and skater. Um, and um, I don't know if you guys saw Mikey's story about him, but um, he, Mikey saved Kalani. Um, drowning because of his panic attack in Hawaii and Mikey told Kalani like you should probably stop surfing because this could happen and you know you could die and, and Kalani told um, Mikey that he'd rather die than than to never surf again so so I feel like that's kind of cool to know that like he knew that he could die, so. And, um, what we all have in common too with Kalani is that we all love surfing and we all fucking, we all share that in common with, with Kalani, so. We're all not gonna live forever and we're all not gonna be able to surf forever, so. We can just enjoy the times that we get to surf and enjoy the people in our life that that we love and not be afraid to tell them how we feel and and yeah and enjoy life and know that it's not forever and and that um, we're just going back to wherever we were before and he's good he's where we he was where he was before he was before he was born and he's an incredibly special person and a lot of people everyone here is a super special person and yeah so we're all here right now we're all live like let's have fun do airs Connie loved doing airs he'd probably do the best air here <laughs> and yeah thank you to him The Electric Acid Surfboard Test, Episode 4. Bit weird going from such a heavy one to an alternative surfboard, hack them up, get two shapers together, do some wild shit, get Mick on them, but 
show must go on, I guess. So this is the final episode of the East, and we declare a winner. That winner is somebody who we might tell you next week. We're not telling you right now. The episode just dropped. Go watch it. And uh, to review, I just want to start with the shapers who we had to begin with. We had Darren Hanley and Simon Jones shaping together, Ryan Birch and John Simon, Greg Weber and Josh Kya, <laughs> Matt Violas and Donald Brink, Hayden Cox and Peter Schroff, Matt Parker and Joe Falcone. <laughs> um, the three boards in the final are from Hayden Schroff, Brink and Violas, Birch and Johnny Simon. So, not going to tell you who wins, but I do want to share some some information about the reaction to this thing, specifically around episode three, which is when we finally saw Shroff and Hayden get together. The reaction to this has been incredible, especially from those involved. Like, obviously, you know, it seemed like a kind of funny little one-off clip. There's a guy in Hello Kitty underwear taking a chainsaw to a board, but like, I think the average person you might just watch that and kind of forget about it. But like, if that's your business that you've that you've been working so hard on building, that's like the dream you have in your life to see somebody like kind of just attack you like that. That's that's a tough thing. Like I'd imagine that's something that you like lose sleep over. Like you know what I mean? Like, really, I would think it was hilarious. I, you would? I mean, I would too. But <laughs> I don't think Hayden did. <laughs> but anyway. One of the coolest things was seeing how how much that meant to Hayden and his family and just the team there. Like it, it just it's so cool when you could take these kind of polar these opposing polar forces and bring them together and actually make a cool board like that thing made the final. And it's it's just something where it seemed like everybody learned a lot and was just so happy. Like I don't want to talk about who won, but that's another one where like the chemistry is just incredible. Um, but yeah, happy days over here, I guess. Yeah, East, episode four. Go give it a watch. Find out who wins. And uh, yeah, I guess we can talk about it a little bit more next week. Well, we will. We'll keep you posted, folks. <laughs> Kelly Slater's best chance to qualify for the 2024 Olympics is days away. And he does not even have to surf. Okay. I love when we have headlines like this. Because... They're just so confusing, and that's great. <laughs> it's true. It's all true. It's, um, this was published about a week ago, so I guess this best chance thing is pretty much happening now, but this has everything to do with the 2022 ISA World Games, which are currently unfolding in the great place of Huntington Beach. So, Kelly's not there. Here's how it could be his ticket into Chopu. They're restructuring... Sorry. Where? Tiahopo. <laughs> Tiahopo. Tiahopo. Ti. Paris. No, it's in Paris, actually. I forgot. It's in Paris. It's uh, the Olympics in Paris on the other side of the world. So, big restructure this year with the ISA, which is the organization that funnels surfers into the Olympics and runs Olympic surfing. 2020 was just year one. I don't think Olympic surfing was approved for anything but that first year, initially. And so I think they just had to kind of introduce the system. Like there's that awkward number of 20 surfers, which made the format kind of weird. And it was kind of just like, okay, let's see what this is all about. And maybe we'll have you guys back. Who doesn't love a good repertoire? 
Oh my God! Well, speaking, we'll get into it. But there's a certain there's a certain surfer in the repertoire in HB right now, which I think is hilarious. But we'll get there. We're working our way there. So the qualification was all over the place. COVID also just mangled that and made it super confusing. But now they've proven that surfing works on an Olympic level. The Olympics loved it. It was, I guess, widely watched. I heard some crazy stat about the social media falling from it. it was like just trumped pretty much anything other than skateboarding. So the Olympics are apparently just like eating up all this new shit. Is Eric Logan doing their analytics as well? I think he may be. I think he just does all of them. <laughs> we should have him on ours. <laughs> Elo, call us up. You might need a job soon. No, no, no. But maybe. Um, so yeah, this year with the new ISA structure, basically, and hopefully no pandemic, there's going to be more events that kind of factor into the 2024 Olympic qualification HB in 2022 is one of them. And so the winning team here, it doesn't matter which surfer wins, but the winning team earns a third slot into Paris, which is pretty sick. Like, one of the worst things about the 2020 Olympics is the rule of two surfers per gender per nation meant that Felipe Toledo couldn't be there. Okay, can I say his name right? Felipe Toledo. It meant that Felipe Toledo could not be there. Um, I think he was top five in the CT that year. But Number four. He's four. Fourth in the world. So he's fourth in the world, but Gabe and Illa were better, so like, okay, sorry, sit this one out. Let's get, uh, I don't want to make fun of anybody who was there, <laughs> but let's get somebody else there. <laughs> this year, let's not get Carlos Munoz there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they did that. <laughs> but anyway, this year we'll have events. It's this one and the 2024 ISA World Games where the winning team gets that third extra slot, and that is huge. Not only for individual surfers, but the teams obviously are so incentivized to get as many surfers as possible in the Olympics and hope those surfers do good. So it's huge. Team USA rolled out a hot squad, and especially it's on the home turf. And if they win, USA will have a third slot that they can give to whoever they want. And come on, you have the world's biggest sporting platform at Chopu, a name like Kelly Slayer that everybody knows. Like, is there any chance they wouldn't put him in? I mean, I guess the only chance is if maybe John doesn't surf the tour next year, and he, you know, maybe Kolohe and Griffin get those spots by nature of their performance, and then there's the spot left over, and yeah, uh, it's a hard one. John, Kelly, I could see arguments made for both sides. I, God, that would be, that would be wild. Imagine that, imagine how... Being Brett Simpson? Yeah. (laughs) God, just having to tell one of them, too, like, hey, uh... Yeah. I would just take bribes. Why not? Um, so yeah, that's what's going on at HB. The comp is on right now. It finishes up this weekend. You can watch the live webcast, but Mikey, I looked at the results earlier, and first of all, the surfer I was talking about, Griffin. Griffin got sent to the repercharge, which is kind of hilarious. I saw he post on Instagram, like, after he won one of his first seats, I think he had to surf, like, eight heats to make it to the final. He has to surf more now because he got kicked to the repercharge. <laughs> Um, it's a crazy, crazy grind the final, but he got beat. He's in the repertoire charge. Um, what's more demoralizing the way he lost the top five or just lost to who did he lose to to get to the repertoire charge? I couldn't find that. Oh, you couldn't find it. Okay. We need to get better ISA sleuthing, but yeah. What do you think is uh, harder for Griffin to swallow the top five miss or the repertoire charge delegation? I just think it's so wild. Like imagine you're just like. Imagine being the random, and like I think this is what's so 
it's kind of what makes ISA cool is that they get, like, their mission is so different from the WSL. They just want nations, everybody to be represented at these events. And obviously the cream is going to rise to the top, but, like, in the early rounds, it's surfers from all ever, like all over the place. They're probably just, like, some of them are from countries where, like, the only, they've surfed three heats, and it's all at their, like, local borders event against their friends, and there's only three-person heats. And, like, all of a sudden you can just draw, like, Griffin. Yeah, like we've got a story on the site right now about somebody from the Afghanistan team, which is like, I didn't even know that they surfed in Afghanistan. So there you go. And yeah, we've got somebody on the beach actually every day doing some live IG story updates on the ISA World Games. So if you want to get sort of an inside peek at the more interesting and, uh, you know, whatever moments of the ISA, you can take a peek there. But uh, Griffin, what's your call? Is he making it to the final? I think he'll get there. I think he'll work his way out of that little escape room, rapid charge. (laughs) But when I was checking results earlier, I did notice one thing. There's a long way to go, but I looked at the team standings. And so we are recording this on Thursday, September 22nd. So still a few days left. Things can and will change. But I want you to guess, top three nations right now. You saw the team setting into it. Mm. Top three right now. Give them to me. Japan. Uh, Australia. And not Brazil. Not Brazil? No. Why? Because Italo's not on the team, Felipe's not on the team, Gabby's not on the team. Have you seen how any Brazilian person serves <laughs> HP? <laughs> okay, so it must be Brazil then. No, it's not. I'm just defending you there. Well, I don't think you would have asked the question if the answer was obvious. Uh, who did I say? I said Japan. Uh huh. Who was the other one? I'm going to go... Uh, you went Japan, Australia. Japan, Australia, and fuck it, Peru. Cristobal. Oh my god, you are all over the map. Okay. <laughs> uh, no. None. Zero None. three? No, over oh three. Okay. Over oh three. Right now, in third place, is the United States of America. Right now, in second place, Portugal. Ah. Right now, in first place, France. So... What I'm here to tell you is that I moved to where surfing is a superpower. And so you guys need to get ahead. That's kind of what I want to say. Euroforce back in action. Euroforce is fucking back. You heard it here first. Well, Portugal, I know they sent Freddie Marais. So they have a gnarly team. Um, But yeah, the Euroforce is back. A lot can change. There's there's plenty of time left. But on Thursday, that's the standing. So... um, yeah, Mikey, I, I hope one day your nation can be as good at surfing as the nations which I've moved to. Uh, I wish you luck. <laughs> but I also wish Griffin luck in his rep charge, um, although it would be quite a sting if, like, you kind of win this thing for your country and then, like, I mean, he'll, he'll get the slot through the CT anyway, right? Yeah, sure. But if not, like, if somebody puts in some serious legwork for this team and they're like yeah but like we have this guy Kelly oh my god yeah that would be devastating yeah anyway this is gonna be like we're gonna keep following up on this it's gonna be an awesome story we won't know right away like they won't have to give away that slot right after this obviously with injuries and how so much can change in the time between now and the Olympics but we will keep you posted Um, there's so many ways this can go inevitably there's gonna be crazy storylines pull out of it so keep you posted Footage of the best wave pool in the world leaks from Brazil. So this is huge news. Brazil just got a surf ranch, and um, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not a surf ranch. It's an American wave machines. 
And it is, in this headline, we have the best wave pool in the world in quotes. But it's the best wave pool in the world. Oh, you're, okay, you're stating it. You're, you're removing quotes. Yeah, yeah, let's get rid of them. I'll edit it after this. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's the same type of pool as Waco and Japan. It's perfect swell technology. They use those chambers that you can fire in pretty much any sequence you want to create any sort of combination of a wave. So they have limitless possibilities. And the reason that it's better than those two, in theory, quote-unquote, is because it has more chambers so you can create a longer wave. And that also means that if you wanted to, you could actually start the waves from the center of the pool, the middle chambers, and go outwards in two directions, making an A-frame that two people can ride at once, which I think is sort of what they plan to do. Because right now, the current wave... Eric Geiselman was just down there. He's over here now with us at uh, Bandstab High. And he was saying you could get like a 15-second barrel or something like that. So, yeah, it's a pretty long wave. And the, the real kicker, pun intended or not, mm. is that there are two air sections on the same wave that you can hit that we've seen by the Poe brothers and the Geiselman brothers on our YouTube and Instagram. Yeah, if you go find this, this story, I read the title out, the quotation should be gone. <laughs> But you'll be able to watch this stuff. It's it's really incredible. And like Mikey said, we're here with Eric now, and he was kind of just describing how fun it was and how like you know they tried the different settings and they were just like having so much fun, like burning themselves out just because it was like they just couldn't stop surfing. Um, and he he told us at one point there's one setting where like Miguel Pupo was almost crying because of how good the waves were. He was so <laughs> excited he was almost crying, and we were just thinking. He just won Chopu in like sick waves. Like you're this is a month ago tops and he's just in this wave pool crying. So I think that's why we're getting rid of the quotation marks because if you have somebody crying in a wave pool that can win in Tahiti, um, I think it's just a matter of fact. Okay, fair enough. And just to go back to what you said earlier about the surf ranch thing, the reason that we're sort of calling it that is because this is going to be a super privatized pool, which actually the surf ranch illusion doesn't even really make sense because anybody can technically go to surf ranch. You just have to pay like $500,000 or whatever it is for the day rate. Mm. Um, is but, that Elo's rate? Yes. He does the math? Yeah, exactly. Um, so this one is going to be part of like a development residential community with also a hotel that I think anybody can stay at if you want to shell out whatever the asking price it's is. Best for that. Western. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it's not like anybody can just sign up and walk onto this place. It is going to be private, so it's, um, yeah, it, you have to basically spend a shit ton of money to get in there. So that is the sort of private Brazil pool. Yeah, so go uh, go climb the ranks at an, a surfing federation, get a team to win the thing, and then accept some bribes, and you'll get in. The mid-year cut and a best-ever session inspired Leonardo Fioravanti's stab edit of the year entry. That's true. It's a long sentence and it's true. But this edit is incredible. It's called the cut, and I mean you don't you don't really see many edits from Leo, right? Like he's probably featured in. He's been with Quick forever, you know. So like he's probably ever since he was in like Young Gun stuff, like. You've seen him around, but like for him to go and take the effort to make a proper surf edit, that never happens. Yeah. Know? And so it, like I said, called the cut. It was inspired by the mid-year cut because he fell off tour and um, 
he happened to get some psycho waves. Like, really, like, when you say, like, best session of his life, like, I, I can't imagine somebody really having a better session than the one that he had at that right. The first part of it is, like, I think the reason why, like, some of that Torn Martin stuff is so popular is just because the quality of waves he gets. And, like, you can take pretty simple lines across those waves and it still is fun to watch. Whereas I think Leo just got better waves and just he's so skilled on a board that it's just, like, the best, some of the best waves you could find and just some A-plus fucking surfing. It's just, like, the best of the best at both those things. And it's just so fun to watch. Do you ever watch like a session like that and think what are the other people in the lineup thinking of Leo like surely they're not stoked about like because you can't get that many A plus waves at a wave that is you know it's relatively well well known and it's I think got you know some pretty serious locals there and he is a man of the world but he's certainly not considered a local at this place like do you think that like they're like fuck this guy do you think they like say anything to him or is he just on such a heater that they're just like oh well fuck what are we gonna do no, I think he spends a lot of time there, and I think he knows them. So I think it was all good. I think it's, it's a pretty tight-knit crew there. It's, um, it's in Palos Verdes. It's not a bay. <laughs> yeah, know? I'm saying this because I'm actually pissed off. I was out there. Yeah, I couldn't get trying, any waves. He's, he's, he's mad about it, folks. But yeah, I think he's friends with them all, so I think it's all good. But I, I think I just get frustrated just by, like, surely nobody's making them like that. Like, I know Kano is out there, too, who also, um, he has a house in Palos Verdes as well. <laughs> um... <laughs> And so he's also kind of in that crew. But I just can't imagine anybody... Everybody's actually probably happy to get a day like that. Like, the amount of insane waves he gets, like, he said... I interviewed him for it, too, which is in this. And you could... Uh, we'll pull a soundbite from it, too, later. But go read it on the site as well. But he said, like, he couldn't even count. He was, like, maybe 15 of, like incredible barrels like I could not even count anymore he said it was the best day of surfing he's had in so long and that was before the cut but he was sitting on that and he has this funny quote too about just like coming in from that and just like feeling so fucking alive just like I can't believe that I just got this day of surfing like just in awe of it right and Leo's a funny guy he's like he is such a hard worker and he's quite smart I mean he speaks I think five languages and so yeah, he'll do, like, a vlog, but that's because he kind of looked at how the world is working, and it's like, okay, if I do a vlog, I can provide more value for my sponsors, maybe even more just personal value for my own brand or myself. Like, I don't think he was ever really passionate about that. He does a good job at it, but I don't think it was, like, you know, some people... He's not fucking off the chain. <laughs> Surfscape moto that, like, just lives by it. I think he's just very aware of how things work, and we'll just try things like even on the CT, like he, he trains his ass off. The guy works so hard. He's dealt with injuries over the years, but like I think anything he thinks will be good for his career, he'll really put in the effort to doing it. So he, he just started an OnlyFans. He just started an OnlyFans. It's really good too. It's <laughs> fraunchier than you think. It's different in Europe, you know? <laughs> but he yeah, comes in from this session and just goes like, I can't just put this in a vlog, like I, no, like I'm saving this, so gets that, experiences the cut, and then decides, you know what, I'm just gonna make a sick edit, launch it with Stab, and he's even touring it, he's made some merch, like he's really trying to give back to people, give back to the kids around Europe, so nice work, Leo. Nice work, and he had like a second session as well in there 
from a different wave that was equally as good almost like psychos i mean it might have been a couple sessions actually at lance's but another like dream wave dream session sort of scenario looking in there so yeah it's some of the best straight hand surfing that you'll see this year for sure yeah oh he's so good in heavy waves but um let's hear from him let's just let's let him talk about it now and so it basically started in portugal um and i prefer not to say even though yeah, where it is, but um, <laughs> um, it all started in Portugal after the CT event. I just had a couple, um, couple of shit losses back to back on the tour, and I had a few weeks that I loved spending time in Portugal during the winter. So we scored some incredible waves um, back the following days, but there was this one typical session that I had, which I think. It's probably one of the most perfect sessions I've ever had in my life. Wow. Even, I served, me and Kanoa surfed for five hours, and I think I would have made, I haven't counted exactly, but I think I would have made 12 to 15 just crazy barrels. Wow. Not like, not like you know, you're just getting barreled. Like my shittier 15th barrel, um, and you, if you get that at any time in the year, you're like crazy stoked with it and so i mean we had that incredible day it was probably you know it was eight feet with a couple 10 foot sets um but it was insane just the way we got lucky i mean all the locals say that it was the best day in 10 years they've ever seen wow and just one um basically yeah i had this crazy moment where what are the chances of me and Knoa? um Kanoa was in Kanoa, uh, in the edit, there's no ways of Kanoa because he was saving him for some stuff. But what are the chances for, like, even myself, you know, with the schedule that I have to be there at that time where it's the best day in 10 years? Like, yeah, the chances were so slim. And it was such a special moment that when I came out of the water, I was like, I cannot just do a vlog out of this. I have to save this for something special because. Um, it was such a special session. So, yeah, just eight feet offshore, insane for about five hours. Um, three of us out for the first two hours, and then a couple guys came, like Miguel Blanco and um, um, Kieran Jabour. They came out there because they went to uh, uh, another big wave that wasn't big enough. So it was like in between size, right? So we absolutely nailed it. Mm. And it'll be a session that I'll remember for the rest of my life. All right, Mikey. All right, audience. Let's end on a doozy. The WSL unveils 2023 CT schedule. Ooh. And surf fans everywhere are thrilled. <laughs> are they thrilled, Mikey? Absolutely. You can see the thousands of comments on the WSL's Instagram post. All of them, um, well, yeah, no, they're not thrilled. They're not thrilled. <laughs> they're not thrilled. i got to be honest, I'm not too thrilled either. No? Why is that? All right. I love, okay, let's just get the changes out there. The only thing that really happened is G-Land's gone, Surf Ranch is back, and the finals are still at lowers. So... I'm going to start with the finals and we'll kind of work backwards. Yep. I love the first year. I thought the first year was the best day of 
like WSL competition. I, I, I don't know. You go back to that like Chopu, what, 2013 or whatever it was. It was. I was just compelled that whole day. I guess I thought that was a massive success. I know not everybody did. This year just didn't have that pop to me. Like it didn't. It felt. It felt weird. I I just didn't really get that hooked in. I I didn't get that absorbed. And I think it was just a matter of wave quality. And I think that was it. So going back to a place where you didn't get those quality waves, it's the ocean. Yeah, you never know what's gonna happen. But like to see it run there. I think announcing this right after we saw like some pretty average waves decide the world titles, it's uh, it's kind of tough. What do you think? Yeah, so I am um, I'm actually not conflicted about this at all. I, I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself because I think the WSL is making this decision based on commercial interests. That's my understanding. They have a new a deal with Rip Curl. Rip, Rip Curl wants it to be at lowers, so it's at lowers because they're the ones funding it. And you know, in the past, I've been a proponent of like the mid-year cut and this new system with the top five and everything because I think it's good for the WSL's financials. I also think it provides like new levels of entertainment and whatnot. But it really boiled down to the fact that like this league needs to become financially viable for it to continue forever. You know you may be thinking short term like whatever yeah the zips will continue to fund it but like long term i don't think that's a real solution like if we want the wsl and professional surfing to exist in its current form we need to find a way to make it profitable or at least work at a break-even point however with this lowers thing this is like a non like you just you can't even i don't know there's just no debate to be had there like i understand that deals are made and yada 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 but the truth remains that this is just not a wave that is worthy of determining a world champion. And that's not to say that Steph and Felipe are not worthy world champions. It's just that we need a wave that has more punch, more prestige, and has the ability to produce moments of actual awe, like that Chopu event that you referenced. Wow. Yeah. What did you say? You said you weren't conflicted, but you might contradict. I mean, that was very clear. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess that's the biggest thing. Like, with the G-Land thing... I remember I heard right when that happened that got that decision was made like weeks after the G-Land event ended maybe within like two weeks of it honestly and I know that was a really pricey event for the WSL to run I think setting up what they need to set up out there where they haven't run a contest since what like 97 I think that was a huge spend and I think the servers just weren't a lot of them weren't really thrilled by it like I still always go back to that email that Ryan Miller wrote about how he was just surviving out there watching people just drop like flies. Um, it did give us that party moment, which was great, but maybe that also just went to show that people were kind of just like losing their minds and they had to let loose. But yeah, so that one just seemed like, from what I understand, I think Quicksilver and Roxy are pretty keen to keep going. Um, they like the story of G-Land, they like the, the idea of throwing like a curveball at people and kind of that old day feel like it is undeniably a world class wave they didn't get too good this year but like there is like this kind of energy and story to it so as far as I know that was more the whistle saying like hey this is expensive as fuck like pay more maybe and they're like yeah maybe not <laughs> um, but yeah bring it back Surf Ranch like if you're gonna cancel G-Land sure okay I get it like if it's just a lot of money and you didn't really get the waves to warrant that spend sure bummer I think but okay I'll accept it I just feel like it's weird to bring back Surf Ranch after a year off. Like, a year off is saying, okay, this is not a CT wave, right? Like, it, it just, it seems so weird to bring it back. Like, if they just kept it going, 
I'd be okay with it more so than just like taking it back for a year just shows you're not that confident in it. So you're just trotting it back out, something that you already have shown that you're not that confident in. So it's like, that to me is, is a bummer. Yeah, well I guess I'm a little actually conflicted on this one too because I don't mind the idea of there being one wave pool event in a CT season. Like these things are popping up all over the world. It's clearly part of surfing's future. I don't think it should be a major determinant in who wins the world championship, but one CT event, totally fine by me. I would prefer that it was in a different type of pool, maybe that pool in Brazil. Mm. Um, I think Slater's pool has kind of run its course in terms of interest, and it's just like, yeah, it's just sort of the same thing, and it's obviously not been a huge success, at least as far as fans' reactions. Um, and it is, too, like, to your point, it's almost as if they would have been better off just not replacing G-Land with anything, right? Mm. Because even if they don't see the Surf Ranch necessarily as a replacement for G-Land, like, they... Like, they may see it as, we wanted to bring this back regardless, and G-Land just didn't work financially, but the optics on it are so bad. Because yeah. one, you're replacing a world-class wave, although we didn't really see it this year, with a wave pool, versus the myriad of fairly average waves on tour that you could have taken out for that wave pool if you really needed to. And you're also taking out the only rippable left on tour, barring, I mean, Sakurama maybe, but like that's not really like i mean it's like a warbly wobbly beach break and it goes goes in both directions yeah and uh you're not the only one to have picked up on that are you mikey i saw some interesting comments on the wsl's instagram post announcing these changes my favorite which i think was maybe one of the top ones because a lot of people were uh up the same mind but owen wright got in there just said just here for the comments because (laughs) As you'd imagine, they had plenty. Um, did you see some good ones, Mikey? Yeah, I mean, Tati and Joanne DeFay both very clearly called out the, the left side of it. And, like, it's not like this is a new argument. This has been going on for, like, as far as I remember, like, decades or at least a decade. Like, there just aren't rippable lefts on tour. I don't know what message the WSL is not getting, or maybe they're just so locked into these, like, sort of, you know, legacy locations like Bells and, well, Sunset, even though it's kind of new on tour, but kind of old on tour. Um, Margaret River is one of those ones now where I think they get a lot of funding from the local governments they want to stay in, obviously. But the end result is we have a bunch of big, burgery right-handers, which, one, are not that fun to watch in and of themselves, and two, are completely unfair when you don't balance that with any sort of, like, turnable lefts on tour. So, yeah, it's, a, it's unfair. We've done a, done a whole piece on the fact that it is, like, statistically unfair to Goofy yeah. Foots. And here. it's just not fun to watch either. That's the only thing that really matters, really? Like, right? I mean, if we're not, if the, the fans aren't into it, if we're not having those Chopo 2014 moments and bringing in huge audiences because the spectacle is that great, then you're never going to make the sport great. And I understand that there are these commercial deals that are important to your short-term well-being, but we also need to think long-term in terms of, like, what is going to keep surfing front and center in people's minds. And clearly what they're doing right now I guess it is keeping it front and center in their minds because they're so pissed off, but I don't think it's a good play in the long run. Honestly, keep the thing at lowers this year. I know it's like a three-year deal that they signed with Rip Curl, so whatever, if we need to do lowers again, that's fine. If they just put macaronis on instead of Surf Ranch, yes. just swap G-Land for macaronis, yes. I don't think people are this upset. I agree. It's that simple. And there is one comment on here that I actually, you know, it's it's sympathizing with the WSL, and I also think that you could find a lot of truth in it. And it's from Raglan Surf Report. 
And he says, every wave is a left if you lower your expectations about length of ride. It's so true. <laughs> I've gone left at that Palos Verdes wave that Leo scored. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me that um, pretty much every world-class right you've surfed, you've found a way to go left. Is I that make right? a point of it, yeah. Can you make a, a little list of these waves? Uh, definitely the Palos Verdes one. Uh, Snapper, there's a sick left. Um, J-Bay, I have... I've been to Bells once. I'm not saying that's a like a world class right, but like, I'm sure I found a way to go left out there. Hmm. I mean, main break. I'm looking at just tour venues now. That was a left before it was a right. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, I've I've taken some big ones out. I guess there's not. I can't think of where else I really need to. Like, I'm pretty happy with my work so far. Mm. But anytime you put me at a at just a incredible right I'll find a way yeah I'll be impressed when you do it at P-Pass okay oh yeah yeah okay that'd be tough that'd yeah be tough but hey we'll work on it and uh yeah anyway so that's your whistle schedule um it's it's yeah it is what it is folks well and okay so here's the the funniest part right is like we are so obsessed with surfing. We focus on it seven days a week, pretty much 365 days a year. And we do this podcast every week talking about breaking down everything that happened in news and, and whatnot. Um, so we're obviously like very close to all this, right? And so we have our own opinions about it. But the WSL, their whole thing is growth. They're not trying to just keep the core happy, which is why they're making a lot of these changes. They want growth, right? I know where you're going. We're getting into the feet. We're getting into the feet. So we recently... You actually went and you commissioned somebody who has never surfed before, never really watched surfing in any like actual way, to do a write-up of the WSL finals day at Lower Trestles. And the funniest part, the best part, and the comments on this story are amazing, is just that this person who has never paid attention to surfing, never done surfing or anything, she pretty much had the exact same criticisms of everything the WSL was doing without any knowledge that there, that was like what the, the general sentiment was. Yeah, I mean, you have to read this one. Like, it's, it's, it's just a great written piece, but... What's it called? Greasy feet and massive hammers, <laughs> an outsider's perspective of the WSL finals. It's that she picked up on the lingo. She's just so confused about like even the ocean being pumping and warm. They're calling it. She's like, what? I think massive hammers is pretty universal. Yeah, I mean massive hammers. Yeah, but they they were talking about greasy feet with the rocks there, and then the massive hammers. So she was obviously just having a field day with the words that we use. Um, but then she gets some things so kind of off, like. I really didn't edit this much. Like, I changed, like, three words, honestly, because the whole point was to have it be as raw as possible, like an outsider's take. I changed the word she was calling the commentators moderators, which I just thought I didn't want people to get confused by that, so I changed that. Um, I think she thought Strider was standing in the water. <laughs> I don't think she realized he was on a fork. <laughs> and she loves Strider, by the way. Uh, she kept calling wax a sauce. <laughs> I guess if you didn't really know, like, a bar, like, I, yeah, I guess, like, <laughs> she thought wax was a sauce. So. Yeah, you'd think it'd probably be something you, like, smear on your board. Yeah, like, like yeah. A, like a nice... Cre it's yeah. clearly not, like, a cream. I don't know. So there's some things that she wrote that are just so, like, genuine, just her attempting to make, understand it, that are just off. But, and yeah, she... Freaking hilarious. And, like, even noticed that said something about how, like, years and years of of watching TV and movies has trained her that, like, and her description of what a tube is is kind of funny, but she tried to describe it and said, like, that has to be good surfing because that's, like, what I always see. Um, 
portrayed. So yeah, it's a great read. And yeah, I think it was a fun exercise. We did it before. We've done it with like Make or Break. We did it with last year's finals. I think I like this one the best. Her name is Grace. Uh, she's born in Kentucky, lives in Berlin, just really nothing about surfing. So great writer. I guarantee you'll get a kick out if you read it. So go get there. And yeah, I guess it, it kind of, it didn't pass that test of whether or not she would be, as an outsider, to be entertained. Like she seemed kind of bored by it. So yeah, as were we. Yeah, although, although, apparently, most watched event ever. Eric Logan. Eric Logan well stats. Done. On the Excel sheet. Yep, 22% more viewers than last year. Carry the decimal. Carry the decimal. Fudge it up like it's your taxes. <laughs> Gonna be fine. <laughs> It is time for a surf sin. We went long this week. I mean, we had a lot to go through. Obviously, we didn't do last week. We were both in airplanes going uh, very far, very a lot of time. I watched a movie. I cried. It's great. But that's part of the healing process. And right now, we are here to heal a gentleman who he really has some work to do. I mean, I'm going to be honest about this one from the start. He's, he's got some work to do. So let's hear his case, and then we'll try to make sense of it. Hey, what's up, Buck and Mike? Here's my surf sin. When I was learning how to surf 10 years ago, I got a wave storm. That's not the sinful thing, but I did it. One thing about these damn boards is it gets you into waves quickly, fast. That's why any vulnerable adult learner can just hop up on these damn boards. So I was in St. Clemente, a popular surf spot, and I was just gliding into these waves. And when I first started surfing, I didn't realize that the surfer on the inside was going to get close to me and scream at me all the time. I, I started surfing thinking that there was room for two surfers on the waves. But soon, after getting screamed at every session, that uh, the inside surfer has priority. So on one of my sessions, I was getting screamed at, very regular, and learning how to surf because no one taught me. I dropped in on this guy, and he had neck tattoos. I think his name was Spider, and he fucking flipped on me, man. And he started paddling towards me like he was going to hit me. And I, fight or flight moment, I got real scared, and all of a sudden, it just, it just hit me. A way, a possible way to get out of it. He was paddling towards me, anger in his eyes, and his fist reached up, and I don't know how it happened, it just came to me, and I just thought, maybe an accent will get me out of this, and for that split second, I pretended like I was Australian, I go, sorry mate, not from around here, and he goes, oh, and he realized that he was going to make a big mistake and that I, I wasn't from around there. He's like, oh, man, sorry. You're not from around here. I get it. Up is down, left's right. You guys drive on the wrong side of the street. I get it. I'm all, yeah. He's like, you say no more, buddy. Your toilet swirls the wrong way. I was like, damn right it does. And then he paddled away. I thought everything was all good. Very next wave. Damn board dropped in on the wave and got me right on top of him again and he flipped 
by then I jumped out of water and said, Cheerio, mate, gotta go. No worries. Yoo-hoo. So that's my surf sin. I lied. Pretended I was Australian to avoid getting punched. All right, boys. What do I got to do? What's my penance? Oh, boy. <laughs> what do you got here, Mikey? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I don't I don't really know where to Tough. go with this one. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, self preservation. I, I, I forget where I heard this. I think it was in like I don't know, like Seinfeld or a similar show like that, where if somebody's coming up to attack you, all you have to do is just play dead. And then oh. what is somebody gonna do? Beat up somebody who's dead? Like, yeah, no, that's good, yeah, wow. Um, so I guess this is his version of that is really badly faking an Australian accent, which if you were going to fake an accent, don't you think you'd go with something a little bit more like removed from surf culture in a way? Like, you know what I mean? Like Australians have the same rules as Americans do generally in terms of like what you can and cannot do while surfing. Taking off in front of someone is a pretty obvious one. How does being Aussie sort of like preclude you from being... Uh, yeah, admonished for your bad behaviors. That's what confused me too. Like, yeah, just something about left and right are different, like side of the road thing. I, you no, do have to look. Okay, technically, we do have to look a different way when you're crossing the road. So maybe that applies to Australians. Maybe they look the other way when they're trying to find out which way someone's going. Yeah, but I mean, the real sin is just burning that guy twice. Like, he's apologizing for the language thing, but like, you can't, you can't fucking burn a guy named Spider with a neck tattoo twice. Like. You really should not do it once, as he learned. But, like, doing it twice and thinking that, like, faking an Australian accent is a sin is a sin itself. It is. So, what's your penance? Well, okay. I'm going to focus on Spider here. Well, actually, I have one more note to get out of the way first. It's so... Because he said he started surfing about 10 years ago. And it's so interesting to me that, like, when you hear that somebody might be legitimately unaware of the rules of surfing. Like, some people act like it, but you kind of assume, like, at some point, somebody, like, you're good enough to know that, like, you should look, right? And he said he had to get yelled at, like, a lot of times over, like, almost years to figure this out, which seems really strange. When somebody yells at you once, don't you think you'd figure it out? Yeah, yeah. And I, like, I have this thing where I always make a point to just look at, like, the most fucking useless things in the world are those signs that they put at surf breaks or, like, pretty much any beach now describing the rules of surfing. Like... (laughs) How's that for an effort at it, right? Like, let's just hang this sign that's like, would take you five minutes to read and make sense out of it and just assume that every beachgoer is going to stop and read it. Like, but that's really all that that guy would have had. Like, you buy a wave storm from Costco, so like, you're not getting any advice there. And then you go out and like, you probably walk by one of those signs. It's like the only thing, like, I guess if I go walk around like a fucking trail though, I like look at the, that thing, you know, it tells me not to kick a squirrel or whatever. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I, I guess I kind of felt some pity for that. I was like, I guess if you really just don't know any better. But yeah, I just want to have a little rant about the signs because like they're everywhere. And like, just do a better job designing, make them fucking bright or something. Like, if you design those signs, talk to me because let's let's figure this out and um, do some tax evasion. But my penance is going to focus on spider because we live in such an interesting time. Because obviously, like, and you and I grew up with some of it, like, it was still so much more of the culture when we were growing up than it is today, but, like, of localism, right? And 
I feel like there's this funny kind of thing that happens today. Like some of the most, it's like this weird irony I feel because you'll get people that are like new to surfing a lot of times, not always, but in many cases, like they probably have some spare money and some free time. You kind of need those things to start surfing, especially later. It hasn't already been ingrained in your life, but like you kind of need to have those things. And like when something like that gets mad at like a spider character, I just think it's one of the most ironic things in the world because I can fucking guarantee you if a guy is named Spider and has a neck tattoo, he did not show up in his Tesla after meditating for an hour that morning, okay? This man is probably battling demons. He's been bat- battling demons his whole life, probably a shit life, and he's always had his ocean to like kind of escape that. And so when you get the spiders, I mean, I just think like you ever trip on that? Like people complaining about like staunch locals, and like okay, I guarantee this person does not have it good. That is why I almost think this story is fake because Spider's response to this guy being Australian just does not seem realistic to up. me. It doesn't at all. It, it seems like a fake up. story, and it also. It's pretty much the same story that somebody else told us like six months ago for a surf Ooh, sin. Yeah, it was that at kind of Uluwatu, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which was a funny one. Yeah. So I'm calling bullshit on this. And regardless, uh, for me, your penance is it's actually going to come from the Buckley and the Raglan Surf Report playbook. And it's that every time that you go surf a world class point break um, in the world, you have to take at least three waves in the wrong direction. And mm. that will, yeah, that will actually, it's a little bit, you know, it's a crossover from the Australian thing. You say they look the wrong way, well, you're going to go the wrong way. Yeah, well, I want him just to live a day in Spider's shoes. <laughs> I want him to think about, like, he got to look in this man's eyes. So, what do you think Spider does with this time? And you need to dedicate 24 hours to that, okay? <laughs> you have to dress like him, you have to surf whatever board he was riding. Ingest like him. Yeah, ingest like him, absolutely. <laughs> um, maybe get on a job site. Swing a hammer around a bit, a massive hammer. Massive hammer. You know, he's worked his way up there. So, live a day in the life of Spider. I think it's a good practice for all of us, but especially for you, Sinner. And that's your only chance at healing. All right, thank you, Buckley, as always. And thank you for sending in your surf sins. Um, Yeah, I'm still a little bit rattled by that guy, but um, I, I hope he'll perform his penance and become a better person on the other side. Now, we are going to be finishing up Van Stab High, presented by Monster Energy, this week at Lakey Peak. Obviously, we're not going to be revealing any results because it's all going to be packaged up and delivered to you guys in a sort of episodic form. So that's going to be dropping again October 24th on Stab Premium, October 27th on YouTube, and we are going to do our best to get a podcast out at the end of this week, but we're actually going to be traveling home at that time, so it might be a little tricky as well. So, like I said, we'll do our best. If we miss another week, um, big apologies. And then after that, I'm actually going on vacation for a little bit, so I'm going to take a couple weeks off. I think maybe Stacy will step in for me, or maybe Danny. That's unlikely, <laughs> considering uh, the sort of things that he's dealing with right now on the Vans Pipe Masters side. But anyway, we'll figure it out, and we'll keep the podcast running almost on schedule, hopefully. So, thanks for listening, and this has been The Drop. Over and out.